Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peacebuilders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities, eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. Salam, dear, dear listeners. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying hello from rainy Manila. Uh, my co-host, uh, Ayesa Abubakar, our professor from uh, Malaysia, can't uh, join us this time because she is on her way to Penang from Bangkok. Such is the life of a peace advocate, a human rights advocate. You go where they need you. And I think in Ayesa's case, she's going to be part of a group that will provide some training for um, uh, women, I, I, I think it's uh, with the civil society. And uh, Ayesa is a very much sought-after uh, uh, lecturer. Uh, one of these days, it would be so great if you, any of you, could go over to Malaysia and uh, visit her in her university, Al-Bukhari. So um, I'm so sorry I wasn't able to join you in our last uh, episode, but I think you must have heard the good conversation uh, between my youngest sister, Salma Rasul, who is a lawyer, and uh, she works with me a lot on uh, peace building, on uh, good governance, democracy, security issues. Uh, she runs a program at the University of the Philippines uh, College of Law Center on um, uh, Islamic Legal Studies program. So we have to cover so much ground, uh, my, my sister and I. But the conversation that she had last time with uh, Soharto Ambolodto, a friend of, of ours, is uh, nicknamed Steng, who happens to be a member of the parliament of the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region of Muslim Mindanao, or BARM. Uh, Teng, um, MP, the Honorable uh, a Member of Parliament uh, Ambolodto, we have been working together for, oh, since the time we started uh, the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy on issues of good governance, on 
support for the peace process. So I'm very sure that their conversation uh, in the last episode would have been quite interesting. So I thought today we could move out of the Philippines and go to another region. I was uh, looking at the news, uh, scouring the internet about elections globally, and it's quite uh, disheartening sometimes. I'm sure that you've read about the assassination of the presidential candidate in, in Ecuador and uh, the problems about elections in so many countries. And I was just reading about uh, what's going on in Liberia. Now, if you recall, we also had a colleague, another friend, uh, Seru Garlo, who's also a peace advocate, uh, shared her thoughts with us, her analysis about what's going on in Liberia with regards to women's political participation. And what really struck me about Liberia is the fact that the first elected head of state in Africa, female head of state in Africa, came from Liberia. A uh, politician uh, named Ellen Johnson Sirleaf served as the 24th president of Liberia and was the first elected female head of state in Africa. So the election of uh, Ellen uh, Johnson Sirleaf brought so much hope. It became like a spark, not just in Liberia, but in other countries as well in, in Africa, about the possibility of women becoming leaders, becoming heads of state. So, so much encouragement from that election. Now, Liberia is going to be having another election uh, in October. And our guest today is another friend and, and uh, colleague. And um, she can tell us a little bit more about what's going on in, uh, in Liberia with regards to the participation of uh, women, her hopes uh, for what the present government, if it's going to be uh, re-elected and continue to be the government of Liberia, what they can do to really support the participation of women and to really strengthen the foundations for peace in, um, in Liberia. I didn't realize that the uh, legislative uh, house of uh, Liberia, uh, they actually were able to pass a bill requiring political parties to have a uh, quota for women to become candidates, no more than 70% and no less than uh, 30%. But it looks like... Um, that didn't uh, go into effect. So last May, I think, uh, 25 of 46 registered political parties signed a memorandum of understanding agreeing 
that they would put forward no less than 30% of the candidates uh, to be women. That would be really something, wouldn't it? But anyway, we should uh, listen to our guest uh, for today, who is a friend and colleague from the Women's Alliance for Security Leadership, uh, Roslyn Cassell, a woman peace builder, an activist who has been working all these years with a host of grassroots women in Margibi, Liberia. She has been a partner of the International Civil Society Action Network, ICANN, which supports us in the Women's Alliance for Security Leadership. Roslyn has done so much, has done great work to establish village savings associations across uh, Margibi to help women build collective funding and contribute to a shared fund to cover their costs. So this is a really good cooperative uh, system for um, you know inclusion in in finance. And above above this, beyond this, she is the executive director of the Women's Education and Development Organization of Liberia or WIDOL. It's an organization campaigning for and with women peace builders where they you know, usually hold peace building initiatives in the form of door-to-door campaigns, radio talk shows, and the other community uh, engagement. And I understand that quite recently, she was appointed as acting city mayor of Gibartala City in Liberia. So let's welcome our friend and colleague, fellow peace builder, Roslyn Cassell. Welcome to She Talks Peace, Roslyn. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me this morning on this all-important show. By the way, Roslyn, um, bring us to, is it Gibartala, the city yes. where you're acting mayor? Okay, bring yes. us to Gibartala and uh, show us around. How do women campaign, Roslyn, at the community level? How, how do they do it? Do they go door to door? Do they hold rallies? Do they, um, you know, bring people out and have a discussion? Do they sing and dance? I, I, I ask you this, Roslyn, because here in the Philippines, politicians are entertainers. They go on stage, they sing, they dance. They will do anything, Roslyn, to get yes. people to, to vote for them. Do they do the same thing in uh, Gibartala City? Yes, they do that. Because if you, don't, if you don't go from place to place, you will not get to the people. They are busy, they are doing their work from the village, from the farms. They go straight to bed because in most cases, they come home late from their work. So if you depend on the radio station to spread the information, it might not get to those, all of those that you want to get the information. So we do what we call community mobilization. We organize meetings, town hall meetings, stakeholder forums, 
and then politicians will come out and talk to the people, sell their platforms, and so forth. So yes, it is like having fun, they cook food, and serve people that are around so that they can spread a message. But if you depend on the radio station, you might not get a message across where you want it to reach. Women are quite active in, in campaigning and getting people out to register and, and to vote, right? Yes. Women are active, talking to vote to turn or to register. After registering, they go back and talk to you to turn or to vote. Teru had mentioned it when, when we had our conversation with her, that um, it's so important for women to come out and, and campaign, if not to, to run for office, because of the, the persistent problem of uh, gender-based violence, that uh, even, even if you have laws already, uh, you still have uh, problems enforcing them, uh, anti-rape, um, SG, uh, you know, SGBV dialogues uh, still need to, to take place. How, how is it now, Rosalind? Are these issues coming out in the elections? Yes. These issues will continue to come up because men feel that, most especially in Africa, men feel that they should be up there or they should be in front of everything. Like for an example, if you just go in a rural area to conduct trainings or other, other uh, activities, you will notice that you might have whole lot of chairs where people will sit. Even if those chairs are empty, the women will leave the empty chairs in front and go back where at the back and sit and take their seat at the back because they believe that they are supposed to be at the back. So these things come on even during elections. Before a woman registers, the first thing they will ask is, are you married? Do you have a home? They don't look at what is what you are able to do in the community or in your county. They look at your personal life. Is why why do they have to ask, Rosalind? Why do they have to ask if you're married? What's what's the importance of having a husband? For elections, they don't look at what you can put forth. They look at your lifestyle as a woman. But they don't do that for a man. If a man comes up and declares his intention to run, they don't ask you anything. You should only be able to support the process. That is, you should be financially strong. But we notice in our communities, in our setting, that women don't have money. They don't have access to it because in the first place, time to, to get a job, women are given lesser job, lesser pay job than men. So this means that women will not actually come more to even run as parents because you don't have money. You don't have the support of the communities because you don't have money, you are not married. So there's no need there's no need to take part in the in the in the elections. So, 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 so Lynn, you're you're saying that if you're single, even if you're a yes. professional, yes. it's still a count against you that you don't have a husband? Very well. That's really funny. Yes, it can't against you. You are not married, so you are not responsible. If you are not married, how, how, will, you, how, how will you run an office or a, a district 
won't be able to run that district because you are single. You will make unilateral uh, uh, decision, so there's no backing. So you can make you can make good decisions. So this is counter against women. If you are coming up to run or to take part in decision making, even at the community level, you should be you should be up to certain standards, certain criteria set. You should meet it. If you don't meet it, forget it. You will not be given that support. But as you were saying, since Madam Eddie Johnson Salif became the first president of this country, there was yeah, there was improvement. There was improvement in that area because when she came on board, she opened doors for women. We started to go for to studies abroad. She opened schools, opened markets for women to be in power. So she did a lot. She did well for Liberian women. So she brought she brought both women at the front instead of being at the back. So from from her from her regime, you see that there are more women leading right now. Organizations they are taking their directors in ministries. So she did a lot. At least we have maybe we are going one step ahead. So for women to take part in election, even at the community level, at the county level, there are criteria that you should meet. In the first way, you are single. You will not make good decision and all of that. But we are moving gradually. We are moving forward. And that gap is closing up a bit. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So you're, you're hopeful. You're hopeful, Rosalind, that you're going to be able to push forward the participation of, of women in, in politics, in governance, in spite of the fact that uh, the law saying there would be a quota for women was not uh, you know, enacted. It was. It's not being used in spite of the fact that it it's uh, it became a law, right? Yes. 
yes, we are very hopeful that what we see unfolding right now, because we notice that the past election, there were many women as compared to now, as compared to the election. So we are hopeful that more women will come on board. We can, see, we can foresee that in, in other areas, there are women that are coming up to be clan chief, town chief. They are giving women the, 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 the space now to take part. But at the same time, there are women that, that just don't push for anything. They just feel that, yes, I belong here and I will stay here. So we have to continue to talk. We have to continue to train them and tell them, look, you don't just belong at the back. You can come. You can, you can come on board. You can make decisions like any other man. So there is a question that we ask. When will we stop asking the question, where are the women? Because in most times, women are not there. Even quite recently, when I was appointed as the acting city mayor of Batala City, I went to have the first meeting, acquaintance meeting. There were only two women in that meeting. Out of only 15. Two? Yes. So, the, so you, you and one other woman in, in a group of 50, Rosalind? Yes. Wow. So, so I asked, I asked the, the district commissioner, why is it this way? Having there women in this town that can make decisions? Even the 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 there are women that are supposed to do cleaning up in the communities. One woman, two men in an area. So that is our problem, and we need to work hard towards that. But as I said, gradually we are getting there, small, small. We at times go back. Maybe we we'll see we we'll, we we'll see more women on board. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done still. Yes. Yeah, I really think you do need to have a lot more, a lot more women and um, political leaders who support um, equality. Because I I understand that uh, you have so many problems in implementing laws protecting women, like the Domestic Violence Act and the Rape. Amendment Act. What what's the problem, uh, Roslyn, with the implementation of those uh, those two laws in Liberia? The problem is that the laws are there; they are fine for the implementation because we believe in our connections. Like for an example, if a guy rapes a child. Only each child for that matter, or any woman for that matter, when that person is taken to court or to prison, there will be a big hand, we call it big hand in Liberia, that is maybe a government official or somebody of influence, will call and say, Oh, that's my interest. Let that person come out of jail, then we'll, we'll decide what to do next. So if you look, you'll see that particular person back in the community where he committed an act, and he's passing around free. Impunity is our problem in Liberia. People do run and they go scar free because they are connected to some influential person in the government or in the community. 
So that is our problem. The laws are there. The laws are good for implementation. Who to continue it? How it should be done is our problem. Because of our condition, people do wrong and they just go free because somebody will call and say, oh, let that person out because he is my nephew or he is my this. So that is the, the important problem that we are facing when it comes to those two laws. The laws are there. The laws are good. But the implementation aspect is the problem. And, and the, what are the, the women's organizations, the human rights uh, organizations, what are they doing so that you, know, you can lobby for better implementation of, uh, of the law? Is there, is there much that, that you can do to, to lobby or are you seeing problems uh, even in that space where they try to control what you say and what you what you advocate. Because women women have been trying because we have been writing petitions, we have had sit in actions, you know, but it is at a very low scale because we don't have the backing, the political will to support us. It is not there. Even if women come to, to protest against a rape case that is being dropped out of court unnecessarily. So now you are driven away by the police. Yes, you are driven away by the police. So it is very hard. But we are people are trying, women organizations, yes, have gotten together to come up to plan actions, to be taken, set in, sometimes we come up, we protest, but there's no biking. We talk, we talk, and we walk from there for an answer. So that is the problem that we are facing. And women here are trying, like Wangoso. Wangoso is the, the umbrella organization of women there groups, CBO, CSO, at the community level. We have gotten together repetitions to these people asking them to give or to let the, the law take its court, but they won't, they won't agree. So we are still working towards that. And we believe that one day we'll have a, a resort, a better resort that will protect our children, our girls' children, our women in, in other parts of the, the, the country. But it is not an easy thing to do. So your organization, uh, WIDOL, the Women Education and uh, Development Organization of Liberia, you really do a lot of uh, training and education of women at the grassroots level. You know, Rosalind, this reminds me, what you're telling me reminds me of uh, an incident that happened in my own home province in Sulu. Now, the people you know, see that the Philippines is one of the top uh, countries when it comes to empowerment of women, uh, gender equality. We've done so much uh, you know, to succeed in these efforts. But in rural areas, in conflict-affected areas, many times you don't really see it. And what happened in the, my home province more than 10 years ago, they... There were some well-connected uh, men, and 
there were several rapes of young girls, Rosalind. Girls, uh, not uh, even grade school girls. And as it turns out, they were able to identify uh, rapists. Nothing was done. Just like what you were telling, uh, you're telling us, Roslyn, uh, powerful connections, nothing was done. And you know what the community did finally because they'd had enough? The, uh, the religious leaders, the Catholic priests, the uh, Muslim religious leaders, the communities, women's organizations, they all came together. And you know what they did, Roslyn? They closed the schools in protest. And it became a big issue. It reached Manila. And when that happened, then there was more investigation. So I guess, Rosalind, at there's a certain point where people will say, enough. You cannot do this to us anymore. And collectively, uh, everybody uh, reacts and comes together. So I can see how powerful your organization the Women's Education and Development Organization of Liberia would be in really educating ordinary citizens that each and every one has his power. If only, Rosalind, we can unite, right? So how is Widol coming uh, along with regards to uniting your community uh, to work for uh, women supporting women, uh, implementation of the Domestic Violence Act. Are you happy with uh, with the success of WIDOL so far? Yes, I'm happy. Yes, uh, what we are doing at the community level is that we work with 17 women groups, and these women groups are connected to other groups, smaller groups. So we bring them together, conduct trainings, peace building training, and all of those kind of things, and violence against women and girls. We conduct those training, and we we show them the pathway to 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 resolving those kind of cases. So we are right now we are carrying on two projects. One is empowering local women peace builders. And the other is strengthening the agency of young women in peace building and maintaining in Liberia. Because we realize that gender-based violence is not restricted to only rape cases or other things, but it comes in another form, like acquiring land. Women are not given the chance to, to buy their own land. Why is that? Even if you have the money, Rosalind? Even if you have the money. money. Yes, uh-huh. even if you have the money. We believe that women are property. Once your husband, once you are married, definitely you become a property to your husband. Yes. So the saying is, if you are a property already, you cannot buy a property. So even if you have, if you work, and you save to come to buy your land. The first question is, are you married? Again, are you married? If you, for example, you go to rent an apartment, the question is there, are you married? So sometimes what people do is that you have to bring somebody to stand for you 
or you have to bring a collateral showing that yes, if this happened or anything goes wrong, I will be responsible or this particular collateral should be uh, 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 kept away from me. So honor the, the project, the strengthening women for in peace within the internal in Liberia. We talk about the ADR. The ADR is alternative dispute resolution. Where yeah, where women learn how to acquire their own land, which women should be allowed to acquire land. Women should be allowed to manage their own property the way they want. Once you pay and you have your documents, you should have the right to, to, to do whatsoever you think is best for you. So that is also working gradually. We are doing that. And women are coming on board and explaining their stories when it comes to acquiring land, inheritance rights. In the inheritance rights, women don't know it. Yeah. So, so, so Rosie, you, do, you do have laws, right? Yeah, you have laws. Women have all of these rights to own property, to work, etc. But it's the culture that's being the used culture. by men to prevent women from you know using their, their rights. Yeah, the culture, the traditional norms are the ones that are holding women back from participating in all of these things. They they don't know, some of the women don't know that they have these rights. You have to tell them. And they will say, wow, I didn't know that I can buy my own land or I'm supposed to acquire property from this marriage. They don't know. So we have to conduct those trainings for them over time. Then they will get to know that, oh yes, but then if I work and save my money, I can buy my own I can acquire my own property. So these are some of the problems that women are faced with. They are not educated to, to those laws that back them. They don't know it. Yeah. And for some reason, some stay back because of illiteracy, because of fear, because of traditional norms and other things. They feel, oh, I'm not supposed to be there. I belong at the back. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Now I understand, Rosalind, why you have done so much to establish the Village Savings Association. Yes. Because a woman yes. who does not have money of her own cannot empower herself to fight uh, for, for her rights. 
So, so tell yeah. us more about the success of your initiative for the Village uh, Savings uh, Association. So, so what do the women do? They come together in a group? They put some money in? I mean, how does it work, uh, Roslyn? Okay. Uh, the Village Saving is a kind of a saving because local women don't have the time to go to the banking institutions in the cities. Okay, so they come together and organize themselves. In fact, that training was done by UNDP for rural women to be able to save their money. They came over and asked, how do you save? Some say, sometimes I keep my money in the house. Some I give it to relatives to keep. And then they said, no, there's a way we can come up with a way where you can save your money and you plan to do something of your own. Once you are not working, you are not employed, you don't have you don't have economic strength. So they came up with that training. It's a training by itself all together. It's a training. They have the brochures, they have the, the manual to conduct that training. So the village saving is like 30 women get together. Each village saving comprises of 30 women. Come together, you do your registration, there's a fee attached, and then like every Sunday, if the group agrees, yes, we will meet every Sunday after church and pay our dues. So in paying the due now to keep the money safe, there is a box, we face a box, an iron box that is fixed with lock. So the lock is kept with somebody that is in another community and the key is kept in another community. And then you who have the book, the registration book or the, the, the lecture, you are in a different community so that you won't come together and then plan to take away money that doesn't belong to you. So that is how it is established. The key holders are in different communities. The, the, the bus keeper is in another community. The ledger keeper is in another community. So you come up. We don't say money at the village saving club. We don't pronounce money because we don't want our robbers or thieves to come and take away our funding or take away the parts. Yeah, we say share. So if you have five shares, you have two shares, you get together and pay. You know, it's a system and it is control, and the women really buy into it because it is helping them a lot. Most yeah. of them are so, not in poor. So, so Rosalind, how do you how do you access the money? So for instance, um, I want to put up a little coffee shop. Yes. How do I now get some money so I can invest in, in a coffee shop? Okay. In the village saving loan association, you, you you can only withdraw what you have there. You can withdraw more than that. You can withdraw less, but you can withdraw more than what you have saved in the club, in the association. So if you want to do something, you want to undertake a project, you will come like today if we are meeting, if the club is meeting on a Sunday, you will you apply, you apply for this loan. And then the next, maybe the next setting, you will collect 
why you have there. But you, you, you can't go more than why you save because you want to save the money. If, you, if I'm ready for mine, it should be available. So if you, if you credit, if you loan out more than what this a particular person have in a club, then you are entering in another person's saving. So the, the, the village saving is so restricted and it is going on. And women are using it to build their houses. They pay their children's school fees, most especially for single women. They use that to pay their children's school fees. They even build their houses and they are in it. They establish businesses. They build their shops and they are in it from the village saving room. So at the end of the year, we have we have social fund. Like if you are late, if the village savings should start by five and you come by five thirty, there is a fine that you should pay. If you pay that fine, it is kept. It is kept. Social due is there. The fines are there. So at the end of the year, the women get together and decide what to do with that particular amount, because what you save is for you directly. So the the social fund, the funds that people pay. It is decided upon by the membership at the end of the year to see what they can do. Should we continue saving this or can we have small get-together and have a little party where we can socialize at the end of the year after a hard year of work? Yes, and it is decided upon and then they can decide what to do with that. But the village saving is really, really working. This is happening because the women have no access to banks. At the, at the community level, they, they cannot go to a bank and, and open a deposit and, and save their money. So this is, this is the only way they have yes. to ensure that they have some money when they yes. need it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really no, an, just, an interesting way of doing it at the village level. Mm-hmm. At the village level, everyone is in the, Even men, men are joining the village even now. Already? They're joining you. They are joining even churches. They come and, and join the village saving because at the village saving, your money is safe. Because if if the box have three keys, mm-hmm. somebody from where in another community has mm-hmm. one of the keys and the other one is kept far away so that the three persons cannot get together and one mm-hmm. person cannot open a lock to mm-hmm. access the money. So it is the both of them or the three of them will come together before they can open the box. One person can open it, two person cannot open the box. So your money is safe and you plan what to do with it. Yes. So it is very good. I'm a part of it. I joined it, saving myself. So you're, you're acting city mayor. Is it within your power, for instance, to get um, the the city to support uh you know an initiative like the village uh, savings and uh, loan association by providing additional funds for these women so that you know their capital grows or that's not uh, part of your responsibility no it is part of it it is left with me now to come up with strategies to move from where i met the system to another level. So in that case, what happens is that organizations will come out and say, okay, I want to I want to contribute to this savings 
for the women. And they are not part of the saving. Sometimes they gave certain amount of money and then it is deposited there on behalf of the group. So it is it is a C fund. So it is deposited there for unforeseen circumstances, like they lost, somebody lost a relative or so. They can they can they, they can credit from that saving from that C fund. If you don't have enough money yet in the saving, you can credit from the C fund and then replace it. But you have you have to bring three persons to send as a backup for you before that person that money is credited to that saving member. Yeah, poor yes, people can do it like for an example. P4DB, another organization that we implemented for last year, we established two savings in two cities. So they deposited money in the savings on behalf of the women before the members started to pay their dues. So yes, it can happen. People can come up to support the savings in that way. Too. I really do hope that, um, you know, Initiatives like this can get more support from uh, the Liberian government, from the, the international development partners of Liberia, because it uh, it really seems like women and uh, under uh, your leadership um, as part of the Women's Education and Development Organization of Liberia, that they are fed up with not having any kind of access to help themselves financially so they're doing it they're now just saying oh if, if nobody's going to help us we will we will do it ourselves but i really do hope roslyn that uh, your government and uh, its development partners will be able to provide more support so that women can actually start their own empowerment and you know cease their own their own agency you know all you know we've had uh, a really wonderful time finding out more about what's happening in Liberia especially at the grassroots uh, level that uh, I haven't been watching the time and it seems like it's again time for us to oh, our farewells um, for this episode but don't worry dear listeners we'll make sure that we'll get uh, Rosalyn, again, maybe after elections, but before we go, Rosalyn, perhaps you have a message that you want to share with our listeners, especially Liberian listeners uh, who may be tuning in to the show before your October elections. So what's your message, uh, Rosalyn? Uh, uh, my message is all about peace because if you don't have peace, you will not even turn out to vote. So our message, we are carrying all around in our communities, in our counties, in radio stations, is that we want a free and fair election, a peaceful election. In Liberia, because we are coming from war, we don't want to go back to war, and we know the consequences of war that women and children are always at the disadvantage in in terms of conflicts, in terms of war, women are mostly impacted negatively. So we are appealing to stakeholders, politicians, 
the government to provide a safe environment, the space for the elections to go on free and fair so that peace will continue to, to be in Liberia because that is the only way we can move the country forward. Without peace, we can't do anything. So we are appealing to them to continue to uphold the peace that we have right now because Liberia is only what we have. So we continue to ask them to appeal to them to provide safe and spaces for women. When women are in power financially, there will be peace at the community level. So we appeal to them to keep the peace, work together so that peace will continue to be here while our elections go on. That is my message. Thank you so much, uh, Rosalyn. Dear listeners, you heard uh, Rosalyn Casel, the acting city mayor of Bartala City in Liberia, executive director of the Women's Education and Development Organization of uh, Liberia, or WIDOL. And dear listeners, if um, there are some ideas or assistance that you would like to uh, provide uh, to Rosalyn Cassell and her organization, do email us at shetalkspeacepodcast at gmail.com. Let me repeat that, shetalkspeacepodcast at gmail.com. And we will connect you to Miss Rosalyn Cassell. So, dear listeners, thank you for joining us for this powerful grassroots level uh, discussion about what women can do if they are pushed to the wall. What do women do? They come together. They don't have. You know, they don't start uh, violence. They come together. They put their money together. They start saving so that they can now implement their own agency, and be empowered. So, dear Rosalind, uh, good luck, more power in uh, your forthcoming elections in Liberia. And um, see you soon in our discussions, our regular Thursday discussions with the Women's Alliance on Security Leadership. Thanks so much, Rosalind. And dear listeners, thank you for joining us. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying bye for now from Rainy Manila. Bye. Bye-bye. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.